Hi, and welcome to No Crying in Baseball, episode 105, the holy shit, the Nats are going to the World Series episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. You've out potty mouthed me already. You're starting one ahead of me. You have plenty of time to catch up. Uh, I just initiated it. <laughs> you have faith? Please don't see it as me throwing down the gauntlet. You don't need to prove anything. <laughs> Well, the your body mouth cred is good with everybody. <laughs> All right, we shall see. The whole holy shit thing, though, I totally felt like it was a flashback to that moment when we were there when the Nats clinched. And, and we it was all like, said, holy, holy shit. shit. Like it was over and over. It was crazy. Yeah. What an amazing feeling. And what I really wanted to do at that point was a shot ski because we had people for a shot ski. I volunteered to do a shot you ski. Totally this never did. happens. Danielle was in on it. Mr. Potty Mouth probably could have been arm twisted. But it was so crowded and it was so late and I had to go to school the next day, waking up at five in the morning. So I wait. Our younger listeners, this is what it's like to be old and responsible. This is what we do. We think, huh, school night. I'm in charge. Uh Uh-oh, better go home, get a good night's sleep, and shot ski later. Yeah, and good night's sleep. I mean, still, I didn't get to bed till like, one. I I mean, we didn't get to the car till after midnight. So the reality was it was, you know, me getting four hours of sleep without being totally shit-faced, or I would have gotten maybe two hours of sleep and been very hungover. So both those options weren't stellar for a high school teacher, but one was notably worse. But, oh, my God, we were there when they clinched, and it was so great. And anyone who says D.C. is not a sports town, they don't know squat because D.C. is a sports town, man. We had the Nats supporting the Caps, the Caps supporting the Nats, the Mystics supporting the Nationals, everybody staying out, as you pointed out, and partying. We had the National Symphony Orchestra playing Baby Shark for the Nationals. as a, like, So many good, good things. So many good things. This is a sports town, so when you hear it's not, say, I'm sorry, you're wrong. We have evidence. And I love the stars hopping around, how that the Mystics, forward did the first pitch and then Scherzer did the baseball puck which wasn't really a puck but you know you get the idea like they're moving around they're mingling with each other they're all supporting each other which is very cool on today's show the Nats sweep we're going to tell you all the the postseason boyfriends doing postseason boyfriend things we're going to hear Potty Mouth's final apology to CC Sabathia probably I'm going to cross train with college hockey We're not going to generalize, but some, many Yankees fans suck. First, the balls were juiced. Now the balls are dead. The bottom line is I'm going to say balls way too much today. The minor leagues are possibly restructuring in a way that's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. And have we mentioned the Nationals are in the World Series? Was it last week that it was crotch, the magic word? Or was it the There was before? groin, then there was crotch. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think we've settled was, to a level. Okay. A level of which I am not proud. But that's it's your story. I'm sticking with it. There you go. Um, I'm going to talk about boyfriends. These are the guys that we each pick one per team in the offseason because they are cool. They're usually good on the field, but there's something really fun about them. And my two boyfriends from the teams that we were watching, the Nationals and the St. Louis Cardinals. Me when the Nats swept? Yes. Woo! We okay, saw sorry. the Nats sweep. But the game before, my my two boyfriends both, um, they were clowns in the outfield. They both slipped. And actually, Juan Soto, my Nats boyfriend, who I think performed a little bit better overall, um, he face planted. 
Like he slipped and totally face planted. So he had an error. Marcelo Zuna, my boyfriend, had an error, um, which was actually your boyfriend, uh, Rendon, hit the pop fly that he just dropped. So it was a little bit of comedy of errors in the outfield with my boyfriends. I'm feeling like I picked them appropriately because that's like my level of grace. Like I trip <laughs> over a blade of, blade of grass. So it makes me feel a little less intimidated by them maybe. Soto made up for it. He went two for four in, in the game that we saw the sweep. And my ex-boyfriend or former boyfriend, the one that I had to get rid of because we can't keep them from year to year. Stupid rules. Stupid rules. But I'm always going to love Yadier Molina just because he's amazing. And uh, and I saw him get a home run, but it was the only run. No, no, it wasn't that. That was the next night. So game four, more than one run, but Molina was key. And then after they clinched, my boyfriend, this, this sounds really shitty at the, this way because he partied with grape juice. He had a, a bottle of sparkling, I think it was Welch's. Do you think that was just for the camera or you think he's just that good a guy? I think he was probably instructed very clearly <laughs> that he had to really use these bottles because he is going to. But the cool thing is when they win the World Series, um, he will be able to drink because he turns 21 on game three. So this is that after clinching absolute bath of champagne and Budweiser. One of the better uses for Budweiser, may I add. Just like pouring it out? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Pouring it on somebody, sure. pouring it out. That's pretty cool. So it's when they're going nuts and they're all wearing their um, their goggles, right? Their gear. Mm -hmm. And the Nats just had so much fun and class with it, including uh, Dozier, who you knew he, his shirt was going to come off instantaneously because that's like a thing for him normally, isn't it? It is, yeah. Dozier does not keep the shirt. He's like, you know, Captain Kirk in that regard. There's an opportunity to take the shirt off. The shirt is coming off. I'm not arguing or anything. This is Brian kind of Dozier's second baseman sometimes for the Nats. Right. Yep. But uh, despite the fact that he is the uh, U.S.-born second baseman. And his walk-up songs are all country music. He was singing reggaeton in Spanish. And I think we talked about this before, how Dozier was one of the people who's making an effort to learn Spanish because it's good for morale and it's and it's fair. Everybody's learning to communicate with each other. And so he's putting a real effort into it. And not only does he speak, but he knew all the lyrics to the song. Super impressive. Um, and Scherzer was chugging, I guess it was Budweiser, I hope it was champagne, from the trophy. Like they were pouring, you know, like Stanley Cup Dozier style. was actually pouring the Budweiser into it as they were tipping the trophy into Scherzer's, you know, beer hole, basically. Right. And, and what know. were we saying about being responsible on a school night? I guess these guys didn't there have to There was no school night for them. Not, for, not at all. It was not. But can I tell you briefly, because we're talking about Budweiser and all of the excessive use of it, Budweiser <laughs> had a hilarious post about... The Nats couldn't celebrate the same way the last time they were, they won a World Series because it was prohibition. <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, that's another like thumbs up for Budweiser that, for that. Thank you. Whoever's on your social media team gets a thumbs up from the No Crying in Baseball team. Absolutely. That's so cool. Uh, John Doolittle, even without drinking, would probably have done that, have walked around with his lightsaber because mm -hmm. he's just that kind of guy. He's pretty amazing. And and Gerardo Parra was showing Strasbourg to sort of shimmy with the reggaeton. So overall, just it was a fun scene. It was better than your average beer blowout because I usually kind of get a little snarky about those. I usually don't watch them because I find them kind of gross. But there were some moments. There were definitely some moments, and you can't escape the moments anymore. Thank you, Twitter. My boyfriend forever, now and forever, Anthony Rendon, 
Hey, did you hear he's going to the World Series? Hey. One of the articles that just came out was at, at, on SB Nation, actually, was about how the Anthony Rendon and um, and Bregman matchup, the third base of Nationals versus third base of the um, Houston Astros, is one of the best matchups in World Series history since the 1980 George Brett versus Mike Schmidt matchup. That sounds good to me. I would take that. Yeah. And I like both of those guys. One of them more than Well, others. and we're hoping he pulls off the MVP thing. I mean, the, the MVP chants at Nats Park are crazy on Rendon now. And Bregman's getting them too. Oh, yeah. And he's, and he's pretty deserving right. as well. So it's interesting that these two guys who are technically in the running for MVP are that good. Yeah. And actually, can I tell you why Bregman is, is almost as good as our beloved nationals in general is that he, he pulled a, what a Dozier did. And he speaks Spanish. He did like a semester abroad when he was in college or something like that. But he really adds to that whole clubhouse vibe, everybody being together. And we talked especially about the Astros having done this, the Spanish to English stuff. So he did a Spanish statement in his goggles where he said, Oye, ganamos hoy, vamos a la Serie Mundial, estamos listos. Which means, listen, we won today, we're going to the World Series, we are ready. Which is pretty, and it, he did that correctly. Actually, that estar listo means that we're ready. But if you use the other verb to be in Spanish with listo, it means that you're smart. And one time, we, I had an unfortunate event, which is way too long of a story for right here <laughs> in Ecuador. But a friend of mine trying to bail us out of the event said to the other people, "Not out of jail. Not, no, not. It wasn't quite that close. But, but she, she meant to say we're almost ready." But she said we're almost smart because yeah. she got the verb wrong. Uh, so uh, Bregman's better than my buddy in Ecuador. Excellent. And I want to tell you one more great thing about Once and Forever Boyfriend, Anthony Rendon. They just – he and his wife just donated another $150,000 yes, for to the Nats Youth Academy. And they do that um, and they issue a challenge. So it's the Rendon Challenge. So they, they promote that just to say – Please do it too, and to, to try to like get people to also contribute to the Nationals Youth Academy. And so, yay for that! That's part of the whole boyfriend universe. When I was watching the Yankees Houston games, as they wound down to the end, especially Game Six, there was Asuna, yeah, and there was oh hey, what's the other guy's name? Chapman, yeah, those guys, and they're both abusers, and they are both trying to close out a an elimination game. And my kid and I look at each other and it's like, "Who do you root for?" And we both decided the hitters. Yeah, the team doesn't matter, but light these guys up. Yeah, it's just like in that inning, I sort of take a mental checkout from that team. And Asuna wasn't in a couple of the games. He was in most of them, but it's sort of like a breath of fresh air when they're not in the game at all. Yeah. Cause it really, it really brought down the whole mood. I'm like, okay, this is fun baseball to watch. Mm -hmm. And again, I, you know, we were sort of on the down low, maybe rooting for the Yankees more about that later. But my whole thing was what I want is a super long game and then followed by a, by a game seven. And I don't want to see these closers right now. Thank you very much. Yeah. So any details, we have plenty of past episode stuff about why those guys suck. My boyfriends who were playing in that game six did not suck. They were fantastic, and they both had really important plays in that game. And one of them, Michael Brantley, who I've loved since he was with Cleveland, he went over to Houston this year, had super sexy defense. And I got to say, USA Today was a little full of themselves. 
I liked the sentiment, but what USA Today said about this play was Astros left fielder Michael Brantley's diving catch in the seventh inning may have been the most important defensive play in all of baseball this season, which is possibly a crock of shit. But it was a really amazing play. So he does diving catch of this this, this hit from um, Aaron Hicks and then got to his feet and somehow doubled off Aaron Judge. It was an Aaron Aaron double play as it turned out Aaron squared somehow doubled off Aaron judge who should not have been that far off of first base thank you very much but it was spectacular and we were like oh my god did you actually see that happen so that was pretty cool on the other side of the plate DJ LeMahieu again who I is my my boyfriend with the Yankees because he hasn't been a Yankee for all that long had the game tying home run in the ninth inning, which is what set them over into extra innings, not enough extra innings. So I was really excited about that. Simultaneously, I checked out the 538 website where they had an article titled, Is DJ LeMayhew the new Derek Jeter? And it made me cry inside just a little bit. But what they were talking about is his ability to hit opposite field. So, like, uh, okay, can we just say, wow, he's got this great ability to hit opposite field without waving things in front of me that will make me turn on my boyfriend? Oh, one more thing. Shit. Can I take a nap yet? <laughs> Altuve. <laughs> Speaking of him, he won the fucking series. He got the walk-off in game six after the Yankees had tied it up. And the beautiful part of this is the next day was his one-year anniversary of his knee surgery. Uh-huh. So, he, so he's back. He is back. There was a little bit of doubt at the beginning of the year, but he is back. It was against Chapman, so we get to celebrate it being against Root for one the of those. Yeah, one of those abusers. And Chapman's expression afterwards is just priceless. Did you see that? Yeah, and when it happened, we were both looking at like, what is his face doing? Yeah. He can't. He doesn't know what to do. He has, he's, he's <laughs> at a complete loss. Yeah. And so everybody's saying that it's Altuve. There was a guy on base. He should have walked him because it, then it would have been first the and second. The guy on base was my former boyfriend, George Springer. Oh, that's right. Yep. So that's right. Boyfriend-boyfriend partnership here. But apparently, um, from the Chapman point of view, he doesn't walk. He's only given three intentional walks in 10 years. And that's that's not... Chapman's decision. That's, yeah. that's the. It's a combo, though. That's, it's that's like the, the manager's decision, right. and they just don't do it. And it, it wasn't a regular intentional walk situation. It would have been interesting. I see the logic in, in doing it. Yeah. But that's not when you would normally walk somebody. Yeah. You would normally walk somebody if that base was empty. So you can set up the double play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess just thinking Altuve. But Altuve said, but it's, right. yeah, you don't want to walk someone and get someone in scoring position, too, because right. there's that. Because then they have two guys on base, and they only needed the one. Yep. So. so he got his walk off. He's all excited. He's running to home plate. And you can see them, like, pulling at his jersey, and he, like, holds his jersey closed. <laughs> and he said that he got in trouble with his wife before when his jersey was torn off. So I think she just doesn't want him top, understandably, doesn't want him topless on TV. And that earned an adorable headline by Cut Four, which you pointed out, which we could just keep reading that article and drinking whenever we want, because that's our podcast drinking game. And Verlander is adorable because he brought back last year's T-shirt and he said, I literally love Jose Altuve. And I love Jose Altuve for one thing more, which was his single in the game before, because the pitch was out of the zone. He reached for it. It was like outside and low. He got a single, barely. It went right to the shortstop and he just ran so fucking fast that he made a single out of it. It would have been an out for almost anybody above. Um, even though he's a little guy, 
uh, our friends, oh, Marco Oliveira, I think is the guy who said it on Facebook, that the beginning of his name, Alt, is like Alto without the O. So it, he's almost like tall guy. But so we can think of him as a giant. And even David Ortiz said, you know who won in that story about David and Goliath. And Aww. he got the MVP for the series. He sure did. And he sure earned it. He is clutch in the postseason. Absolutely. I want to tell you one more story about my Astros boyfriend, Michael Brantley, because it's weird and scary. We have talked often about extending protective netting, and Houston did that all the way down to the foul poles because that, they had that horrible accident with you know with the guy from, with Al, Almora from the Cubs, um, hitting the the child with a foul ball and sending mm-hmm. her to the hospital. It was horrid, and so they since then extended the netting. But as you know, there's no netting in front of the dugout, so the guys sitting in the dugout have to pay attention to the game, right? One of the staff people in the dugout at all times is an EMT. There's always a paramedic right there in the dugout. The Houstons have these two guys who alternate games. The guy who was in there has admitted himself, I took my eye off the ball. The ball. Michael Brantley hits a foul into the dugout, hits this guy in the head in game two of the ALCS. That's terrifying. He suffered a brain bleed, two facial fractures, and oh possible God. orbital orbital damage um they showed like garrett cole actually walked him out to the ambulance with Ugh. the emts because i mean because they all the guys know him because he's there for half the games wow. he's one of two guys that's there for all of the games so you know he went to the he was in the hospital for days interestingly the news release i saw when he got out of the hospital was not a regular news source it was there's like an emergency services like a trade association and they published it because it's basically it's workplace hazards. Wow. So they talked about it, but they interviewed his wife who said he is not blaming the Astros. He got released from the hospital. He was going home to recover. He said, not blaming the Astros. I took my eye. I should have my eye on the ball. And I really want them to win the World Series. So no pressure, guys. But this was really something. And, you know, lest you think just sitting in the stands is, is scary. Think about these guys who you turn around to have a conversation. Right. There's, there's no protection. You can't do that. Yeah, I mean, no netting there. There are so many endearing things about each team as far as, you know, if we're going like boyfriend standards, doing really cool stuff or doing something deserving or sticking up for somebody, there's a lot of parody here. Here at home, Gerardo Parra, who we adore because he brought the baby shark to Nats Park. He and his family brought those squishy baby sharks. I think we talked about last week that they got donated. They had like a whole bucket of baby sharks, a huge amount of baby sharks. Way too many baby sharks that they could use. So they brought it to Children's Hospital, him and his family. And they sang the song with them. Oh, sure they did. Yeah. I guess it was briefly on the Nats Instagram, but not much else about it. At least I couldn't find any. I'm going to go from there to to my cross-training I did with college hockey because it's related. I was at RIT this weekend visiting my college student kid, and there is no football team at RIT, so their homecoming game was a hockey game. And they did it in the downtown arena, not the the campus arena, because all the families were there, and so there were a lot more tickets. It was crazy. These people love their hockey. They have a pep band. Their pep band is really super good. And yes, I walked out to get a beer, and as I walked out, what did they start playing? 
Baby Shark. Baby Shark. Baby Shark got played at the arena. You know what else got played? Sweet Caroline. So oh I'm sitting God. here thinking, oh my God, Potty Mouth needs to be here so much. And you know, the game was great. The RIT won for nothing. We are walking out so in this massive good. people. It was so, so crowded. We were like all pressed together, like we were moving in this herd. And the two guys behind us are chatting away and they're taller than me and Cam, so their heads are above our heads. And I swear to God, they said the word Shotsky. <laughs> And Cam and I, oh my God, I grabbed <laughs> each other's hands. Like, <laughs> totally did that really just me. happen? So and I wanted to coach them a little bit because they were talking about actually making shot skis. And he's like, oh, I don't really need that other ski anyway. But they were going to glue the shot glasses onto the ski instead of going to watch. Them? Well, that's my question. Yeah. It's like, hello, watch college them. boy. You're going to want, you know, you want to drill holes uh-huh. and you want to set them in there so you can wash the damn glasses. And Cam, and Cam kind of grabbed my hand a little harder, like, don't. That's so funny. So did it sound like they thought that they had made this thing up? Or were they just no, like, talking no. about it as a concept? It seemed like it was a thing. It was huh. a thing. And so I guess um, we're not the only ones who have that nearby. But we definitely have a more hygienic version. But I just wanted you to know that you were with us. On Parents Weekend, as emergency backup mom, you were there. We were thought of you often. Oh, and I got the coolest gift from your daughter. Absolutely adorable. A shark t-shirt. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Um, Just briefly, not shark related at all. Uh, There's so many manager positions that are wide open. Only one claimed so far. Joe Madden signed with the Angels, which was no surprise to anybody because he's got a history with the Angels. And now it's just like moving the deck chairs around on the, the Titanic. There's like... Eight guys that are being talked about. They're all guys that are being talked about in, in the basic conversation right now. They're all old guys that are being talked about. There's very few. There's a handful of, of like younger, mm-hmm. more recently players, but most of them are guys who have been managing for a long time. I don't know that they're going to announce anything else now the World Series is starting. Often it's sort of like, right. a you know, you shut down other news for the week or so that you need for the World Series. But there's Joe Madden. Congrats, Joe. I don't think I ever said anything too mean about Joe, but I'm going to be supportive in general. I'm turning over a new leaf. I I think this podcast has been uh, beneficial to me in many ways, and it's maybe making me a little bit more kind, a little bit more sympathetic, including to the Yankees, who have spent my entire life bashing along with the rest of the Red Sox fandom. The chill you feel in the room is hell freezing over. It is really weird. And I I hope none of my Red Sox friends out there are too offended by this. But hear me out. Hear me out. Because I'm going to go through this a couple times. The first one is CeCe Sabathia. I have been very cruel to. I have been made comments about his appearance, which is not nice of me, about how he looks bedraggled and droopy faced. I think it was that... You really frame that as concern for his health. Like okay. He looked like there were health issues, okay. not like he should take better care of himself. It looked like, you know, like he was about to have a heart attack. That's a little different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I hope so. And I've made comments about him not wanting to run, you know, like being pissed when people bunt because he'd have to move and he can't do that. But you know what? I now have a lot of sympathy for him. I was really touched by how upset everybody w- was about the way that he went out. So we knew that this was his last season. And I guess the Yankees, you know, ideally were hoping that he would go out with them in the World Series, but he didn't he didn't start. He's still kind of on the mend. And in game four in New York, 
with no outs, he's brought in in the eighth inning with two on base. So it's a bit of a pressure situation. And he did all right. He got, well, there was one uh, error. So that wasn't his fault. Somebody gets on base and then an out. And then he hit somebody by a pitch. And then he said it popped. Like he heard something go wrong in his shoulder. And he just said after that, when they came out, I'm done. And the sad thing is that he, this is not a surprise. He's been just trying so hard to hold it together to go out on a good note. He spent two and a half hours warming up that day. Like that's, yeah. And not just warming up, but really getting ready because, and and then the, the killer is when he finally came out in the eighth, he was already injured uh, like an, uh, two batters before it popped. He, like he felt it on Alcides Diaz. That's your guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, or former guy. And then uh, three pitches in on Springer, your former guy, he uh, he felt it. And it's it's just... Even Girardi, the the ex-manager for the Yankees, was sad because I guess he was the the manager that he was in the Yankees with for the longest. Mm-hmm. And he called Sabathia, and this is what made me sad. He called him like the guy you could always count on, the guy who pulled everybody together, who who that that same um characteristic that we were just talking about, like making that effort to get to know where other guys are coming from. So that was him. So I I feel kind of bad. And I know that he started with Cleveland, so that's a little bit endearing. He was with the Brewers for a year, and then Yankees since 2009. He did get a World Series championship with the Yankees. Um, I guess part of the sadness about pulling him out and putting him on what was essentially the IL at that point is if the Yankees had gone on to the World Series, he wouldn't have been able to play if they had replaced him on the roster, Right. right? But... No World Series anyway. And all the active leaderboards have to change now. He was leading almost everything, wins, losses, you name it, plus a six-time All-Star, plus MVP in 09, plus Cy Young, plus 3,000 strikeouts. So a remarkable player. And I'm saying that out loud, and I'm saying that with a lot of admiration. And he's a survivor. His knee was bad. He'd been fighting that for years. We talked about when he went into alcoholism treatment in 2015. And just this last offseason, he had that uh, heart issue, the blocked artery. So to, to come over all that and come back this year and then have to go out because he literally threw out his shoulder. It's just, I, I feel bad. You know, I just, I want to honor him. Take a moment here, right? To yep, say good absolutely. things about him. Absolutely. And um, kids at home, this is how you apologize. (laughs) This is how you do it. You say, you know what? I was wrong. Here's why I was wrong. And I'm going to do better. And then you're going to show us doing better. And I feel like I need to be swept along in this too, because I was right there with you saying he's a heart attack waiting to happen. Yeah, that was me. But maybe I think that out of concern, okay, technically is a good he actually was. Yeah, he was. He, <laughs> he did. Right. We kind of called that one. So I guess yeah. our concern was well founded. We have not heard the last from him for however, because he also has a podcast. It's called R2C2 because he does it with a guy whose first and last name are begin with R, who's a media sports media dude. So I will be giving that a listen in my spare time. Balls. So many times I'm going to say balls. Okay. First, they were juiced. I tried not to talk about it too much, but every home run record was broken, most by the league, most by this team and that team and the rookie 
The rookie record got broken. A lot of records got broken. A lot of guys who were 15 home run guys who had way more than 20 home runs this year. Balls were juiced. Now, they're dead. How did this happen? I don't know. Are they really dead? Well, Rob Arthur of Baseball Prospectus says so because he studied the drag on the balls that are being used in the postseason, and it is much greater than the balls that were used in the regular season. He said had they used the regular, the, the, the balls, the juiced balls, there would have been 50% more home runs than we saw in the postseason so far, just based on drag alone. So who started saying this first? I feel like the players were complaining about this. Well, I mean, there was certainly a lot of casual observation about it. Like, yeah. hey, you know what? That same hit goes out of the ballpark three weeks ago. And there have, there have been some studies like that. Some some websites have, have said, you know, okay, with StatCast, we know launch angle. We know speed off the bat. Mm-hmm. We know those things. Okay, in this ballpark, if these things are all the same, where does the ball go? So the ball is traveling four and a half feet less. This is, this is the Cardinals stat. The Cardinals put their analytics guys on it and said – the balls are carrying four and a half feet less than they were during the regular season. Wow. So you remember all those dramatic catches at the wall we've seen during yeah. the postseason? And granted, it affects everybody. Like for us, sometimes we were the ones making the catches. Sometimes we were the ones suffering from those catches, right? Whoever your team is, that that was your situation as well. This could be a lot of things. This could be they just plain ran out of juiced balls, Right. They keep taking the boxes off the top and they got to some box at the bottom and they're not there. The older ball. I don't know. Um, Manfred's office says the only difference is the stamp on the ball that says, you know, whatever the round is in the postseason. Maybe it's a really heavy stamp. Must be, and it must maybe, be extra thick. Right. Possibly raised letters that the pitchers right. aren't noticing. Um, someone said that they noticed uh, a couple of the pitchers throwing a lot of balls back. Like they, they would get a new ball from the ump and they would kind of feel it and, and toss it to the side. Really? I didn't That's notice that myself, but there's a lot of anecdotal stuff. But the interesting thing is small ball is starting to win. So if your team is good at small ball and, you know, the Nationals, may I just say, did you hear they're going to be in the World Series? Yeah. The Nationals during the postseason, during, during the championship round, were on base between 20 and 30 times more often than any of the other teams in that championship round. Well, and interestingly, both Houston and New York stranded a shitload of batters. And that small ball takes care of that. Yeah, so interesting. It does affect everybody. So again, those things that would have been a home run earlier are not now, but that's the same for both teams. I don't know what's going on. The league says... There is no funny business. And if there is funny business, either the league is unaware of it, which is a problem, or they're lying about it, which is a problem. I prefer to think they just ran out of the juiced balls because the other things are kind of too much to make to feel good about. Yeah, that would be some coincidence. I don't know about that. So I'm going to criticize Yankee fans in the nicest way possible. How about that? Are you going to criticize all of them? No. So there's my first preface is, folks, you can't say all of for any any demographic category. Just we are human beings. We are different. And you can't say all Yankees fans suck, even though a lot of people do. And maybe I might have at one point in my previous way of looking at things. But I am now here ready to say that I have some Yankees fans friends. They're wonderful people. And they need to get on these other Yankees friends who are who are complete assholes during the game. And I, it's, I think it's this really, you know, a crowd mentality when you get frustrated. 
And so this is a very specific kind of assholery too. Yeah. I mean, this isn't just belligerence. This is very specific assholery we're talking about. It's it's mean and it it goes against what you're trying to get done, which is the most fucked up thing. You want your team to win, right? So game three, I mean, we know Yankees won game one. They did not win game two. Game three goes back to New York and the crowd was not happy with the way things were going. So... Um, they started throwing trash into the outfield during the game. And Josh Reddick, who plays in the outfield, said that he got between seven and eight water bottles thrown at him, plus a couple baseballs. And, and Hinch basically threatened that if you guys keep this up, we're going to just pull our guys off the field. If we can't, he's like, it's a safety issue. He needs to protect his players. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, in game four, which the Yankees also lost... Then uh, this is the the most awful one. It's been over talked on Twitter and social media. So I'll try to get to the basic point, which is that Zach Granke has been suffering from anxiety and depression for years, and Yankees fans heckled him horrifically. They, there was a preview on Twitter, so there were Yankees fans organizing what they were going to say to him. On Twitter. Holy crap. Before the game. I was not aware of that. Yeah. Oh, my God. So one of the things that they yelled at him is his original name, which I don't even want to repeat because he doesn't want to use this name. He's chosen to be called Zach. And you honor, no matter what the reason is, what somebody wants to call themselves. And so to taunt him by calling him his birth name or whatever that he you know that he doesn't like, saying things about his mother, and then, of course, like saying things about his struggles with anxiety and depression, which is crappy. Um, And he had a rough start. So the first run, he actually walked in in the first inning, but then he got his shit together and the Astros won the game. Moral of the story, you're not helping your team by doing shit like this. Uh, A guy was ejected. One, at least one, was kicked out by the NYPD. But you're you're not helping anybody. Um, Grinky, he, he... is appreciated by the Astros for who he is. And Hinch even said when they got him midseason, knowing his background, knowing he doesn't like talking to the press and he's very awkward, said he should be himself. He's here. And that's the kind of clubhouse that wins. And apparently the Yankees don't have that magic. Uh, They got a little more creative in game five and chanted, fuck Altuve. So you want to totally piss me off. Right. The most bizarre one was that they chanted Kate Upton for Verlander. You'd think that would inspire him. That's more like, hey, Kate Upton is my wife and not yours. Right, right. Like, even if I lose this game, I get to go home to her. Right? Yeah. So I don't know. And then they booed their own. They booed Stanton, who's been struggling to come in after the IL. And, you know, you can't win either way. You don't. We have very specific booing rules. Go uh, look them up. Uh, I think one of the funniest Twitter comments was that Yankees fans had been insulting Astros fans by saying you all live in your mother's basement, which sounds like, I don't know, a college age millennial male insult. But the Astros fans wrote back, you obviously don't understand what living in Houston's like. We don't have basements. We live in the garage. (laughs) Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. So uh, meanwhile, uh, the Yankees did not win the series, as we all know, which means that the two. 2000 teens, whatever, 2010 to 2020, those years is the only decade besides the 1980s where the Yankees have not 
won a World Series. I think Binnen is even like more. I'm gonna get Mathy nerdy. Okay. On you. Oh, with the decade thing. The decade. So thing. So we have another zero. year. Yeah, because you start counting with one. Yeah. So the so you can say the 60s or whatever, but when you're I, talking about an actual decade, if if you mean an actual numerical decade, it starts so with you're one giving, and ends with zero. You're giving the Yankees another chance. I not by choice, okay. just by math, and math always yeah. wins. Yeah, I guess so, I yeah. just have a hard time with the language on it. Anyway, one night. Nice, it's definitely been 10 years, so we can yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Yankees, this the strategy's not working. See above on how to work together as a team. But again, I'm going to say there are some really nice Yankee fans out there, including one that I just met at a bar in West Virginia when we were watching the game that the Astros won and won the series at. He had just ordered a shot of Johnny Walker for him and his girlfriend. And I commented, ooh, Johnny Walker. And he said, "Ah, let's get one for her. We've been talking, bantering all through the game. (laughs) And I think he was appreciating me rooting for the Yankees, but... Yeah, so there are some good Yankees fans out there. The Yankees minor league system might be much smaller pretty soon. The Major League Baseball is in negotiations with minor league baseball. These are two different organizations, which is hard for me to remember I all get the time. super confused. But they are two different organizations, and they basically have contracts. They have agreements about how they're going to work with each other. The current agreement expires at the end of 2020, which would be at the end of the decade. Oh, oh, ow, <laughs> ow, ow. And there is a proposal to eliminate 42 affiliated teams. So these are minor league teams affiliated with 42. major league teams. There are a boatload. There are so many teams. This would leave them with 120 teams. There are so many minor league right. teams out there. But the ones that they want to eliminate – primarily are the ones with, they call them, substandard facilities. So a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about are are framed by taking care of the players, like they should have good facilities, they should have better travel arrangements and places to stay when they're on the road, they should be paid more. We don't disagree with any of these things, but here's what might happen. Thousands of ballplayers might be out of work, because that's a lot of teams. A lot. That's a lot of players, right? So they're talking about upgrading the facilities, improving the working conditions like compensation and transportation, and reducing payer travel. Player travel. I'm sorry. So this may be reclassifying some teams from single A to triple A. They want to kind of group group um, leagues better, so mm-hmm. these guys aren't on buses for you know for 20 hours at a time to get to a game. Um, they want to limit the number of affiliates that each team has to five. The Yankees have something like eight or nine. And they're not even. It's like different teams have different numbers of affiliates. That is and correct. Weird in weird levels. So. so they would be eliminating things like the short season and some of the rookie level teams. Uh-oh. They're going to li- um, limit contracts to somewhere between 150 and 200 players for each affiliate, you know, for each team. So like the Yankees would have. You know, no more than 200. They're, they haven't set that number yet, but they want to make that smaller. Again, they say, so we can afford to pay them. We can give them raises. So one thing I learned reading up on this, I read a bunch about this, was that the minor leagues take care of, like the salaries they take care of are like the, the stadium staff, the ballpark staff, and the coaches. But the major league team they're affiliated with pays the player's salaries. So... 
you'd think the major league teams could probably, in most cases, already afford to give these guys raises. Now, if they reclassify some of these teams, teams that are single A, if they go to triple A, have to pay for the honor. And teams that get demoted will get like a cash bonus refund to sort of kind of even out what the value of that team turns out to be because of the classification. They don't want to leave any of these ballparks without teams. So here are their two proposals to fill these ballparks with act- with baseball. One is because they're going to actually draft and sign to contracts fewer players, the players that go undrafted will give, get the option of playing in a dream league, which will be another league that's created in these apparently substandard ballparks to play. And some of them, um, the Appalachian League and another league were, were mentioned in this sentence, might be converted to like collegiate wooden bat summer leagues, which is, you know, we've got one here that's fun to go to, but it is not the same as going oh, to a minor league game. Close. These are current college players who are trying to get noticed, who are having a great time and, you know, playing at the high school field, in our case, down the street. So this is the first salvo. It's the first foray. And again, the Stated goals, I think, are good ones. Better pay, better conditions, better facilities. But yikes, this seems drastic. Well, and I'm worried about them setting this up as a false dichotomy. Like, you can have this or this. Like, we can improve their conditions or we can keep all these teams, whereas there's a lot of other factors out there. So it's, you know, setting up these little battles that don't have to be battles can be a distraction from actually just giving them better conditions, you know. So they've got a year to work this out. Um, so I'm imagining a whole range of counter proposals, and we will absolutely keep you updated on that as we learn them. But this was kind of stunning to me, so I wanted to put that out there so y'all are aware that it's happening. Hey, did you hear the Nats are going to the World Series? I'm so excited. What are you doing this week? I am so excited. <laughs> We're going to be watching a lot of games, but I'm bitter. I've got to say that I am bitter because of ticket prices. I'm just yeah. pissed off. Yeah. Like, we were... Th- I would say in the top 10 most faithful fans this season, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Or 10% maybe? 10%. I don't know. I would we go were, 10%. Right. I mean, then we could be a little cocky if 10%. we said top okay. 10. I mean, I, yeah. We were there a lot, but we can't afford to go to the World Series even as having had season tickets for this year because the cheapest ticket, no matter what, is 300 bucks a ticket. So and and it's and not, those got snapped up so fast that yeah. now they're all seven hundred or a thousand or more depending on where you are. Absolutely. So you could have gotten the whole strip, and I've talked to people who've done that and then sold some and are going to some. But it was a lot of you know bargaining before the season, making sure you're renewing for next season, which is another huge chunk of money. So it's hello just, college tuition. That's not happening. Totally. And it just I mean college me tuition is happening. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Just to be clear. The baseball's okay. Not, okay. Yeah, understandable. Either way, actually, it's understandable. But just to think about who goes to these games at this point, either people who just are willing to sacrifice because it's so important, but I think the majority are just really rich people who come in from all over, I would bet, especially the World Series, right? So if you have a shit ton of money, you can just go buy tickets from afar. Can I come watch in your basement? Yes. Yes. I like watching. We can in your have basement. a basement thing, yeah. And I'm thinking we can go like hang out and catch the vibe. Maybe we'll go down there one night. I mean, I know they have the watch parties, but I'm thinking like when they're actually there, maybe we so can we go can be hang. like across the street and listen to them cheer. Right, get a shotski before the crowd does. Huh? Interesting. Something like that. So I want to point out gently that I know we don't like going over old predictions, 
But back in March, when we made our initial predictions, I predicted the Astros Nationals World Series. I got the Nationals part. You can look it up. Yeah. I, I'm halfway there, as, as in most cases these days. But Living on a prayer. There. Living on a prayer. So I'm happy about that. Yay. I hope um, don't listen to the rest of the episode when I discuss how I think it's going to end, because I am pumped. I am excited and I can't wait to watch a boatload of baseball this week. I'm really scared of Garrett Cole. I think that's fair, but we got great guys and we're ready. The matchups are intense. Yeah. Cole against Scherzer, you know, that's going to be hot. It's going to be a thing. Verlander and Strasburg. Great. I mean, this is just amazing pitching. It's going to be fun. We'll have fun. We we totally will have fun. And um, you can follow us on on social media to find out just how much fun we're having. And we want to hear about your fun, too. Where can they, where can people find us? Go to us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, on Facebook or Instagram at No Crying and B-Ball, web at www.nocryingandbball.com. Dot com. Um, have fun with your World Series parties. Cheer for the team you love the most. You know who we're probably, well, not probably, you know oh, who yeah. we are totally Go cheering Nats. for. Yes, baby. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth.